reference, aren't they? Um, if you in the military, retired military at all, do you mind standing up for just a second? We just want to honor you today. Amen. Amen. How many of you guys know, just like that video said, we remember, we commemorate it so that we may always reap the benefits and the freedom that came from the sacrifice that so many made. So thank you so much. I just want to pray over Lord, those that are in the military and family members. Um, just had it on my heart first service as well. But Lord, we just lift those families up to you, Father God. We thank you for the price that was paid, Lord. We just pray blessing on their families, Father God. Lord, I pray for peace in their minds, Lord. So many dealt with PTSD and things like that after returning home, Father God. I just pray protection over their minds, Father God, and peace to their families and blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. We, um, Pastor Pat wanted me to mention a couple of things before we kind of dive into what we have going on here today. Um, the first of all being um, the Barry family. John and Carol Barry came here for a lot of years, and their son um, passed away, and the funeral is today. He just wanted me to make this known to you guys if there's anybody that would be interested in going. It's going to be at 2 p.m. at uh, Pruitt Funeral Home, um, and then the Port Royal Cemetery afterwards at 2 o'clock today. I think at noon they're opening up um, if anybody wanted to stop by for viewing hours before 2 o'clock. Um, so just want to make that, uh, make you guys aware of that if you'd be interested in stopping by and showing your respects to the Barry family that was um, you know, had gone here for a long time uh, to the church here, and uh, we're a big part of what we had going on. And lastly is uh, the fourth quarter group. Where are my fourth quarter small group people at? Anybody in here in that fourth quarter category? Anybody at all? I see some of you guys. Raise your hands. All right, there we go. There we go. Uh, Pastor wanted me to let you guys know the first fourth quarter small group meeting is going to be tomorrow night at 6 p.m. here at the church. And so if you haven't signed up, I'm going to pass this clipboard. I wanted to make sure that it got around one more time. And then uh, he'll be getting in contact with you, or one of us will, uh, tomorrow. But the first meeting, 6 p.m. tomorrow night here at the church. And then they'll make plans from there as to whose house um, it will be going to to host it from then on out for the rest of those sessions. So if you're interested, make sure you sign up. That is, uh, what's the low age limit cutoff? I'm always real sensitive about this. Is it 50? 55 and up. 55 and up is what that, that group is for. Uh, a lot of awesome storytelling and food, and a lot of wisdom um, from people that have just lived and grown in the Lord. So encourage you to get um, signed up for that if you're interested. And then we're just kind of jump in today. Um, I just want to pray and just kind of set the tone that God would just speak to us through his word today. God, we thank you so much for the fact that you still speak to us, your people, Father God. You call us forth, you lead us, you guide us, Father God. You call us to action like you did this morning, Lord. We thank you that you're alive and well, and you desire to connect with us, Father God, to do ministry through us, and to love us, Lord, and we just don't take that for granted, Father. I pray you would speak to our hearts today, and we just thank you, and pray that the worship that we have, the words that we speak, the life that we live would be sweet unto your ear, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, so today, I thought, what a better fitting title, being on Veterans Day weekend, than to talk about Never Stand Alone. You guys say that, say, never stand alone. I want to talk about um, our relationships and our desire to connect with God and others. I think it's just something that God built in us to desire a connection with one another. And I truly believe that we are better together 
than we are apart. You say that with me? Say, we're better together. And so I believe that God has just has created us, us this way. And his desire is that we live a meaningful life connected to one another and working together, especially as the body of Christ. And so I know there's lots of different personalities. Some people are more people people than others. Um, I'm one of those annoying people that get energy being around other people. Uh, my wife and I were hanging out with some friends last night and I stayed up way too late because I didn't want to leave the bonfire because I was going to miss some time with those people around the bonfire. Like that's just how I'm built. I get energy being around it and I will be the last one to go to bed if that's what it means to spend time with people. I'm like hyper connected. My wife enjoys her sleep. She likes being with the group and then she enjoys to, to be by herself. And so there's all different levels of connectivity, but all of us are innately designed by God to connect not only with him, but to one another because we truly are better together. And so if you're a Christian here today, you are part of a much bigger family of connectivity, right? It's much bigger than a, than a blood family. It's much bigger than the people that are in this building right now. It's a worldwide, nationwide, statewide, countywide group family of people that believe like you that God literally says in scripture is like family to us and so I think he set it up that way for a reason because he truly understands that we are better together and one of the things that I know is that a tactic of the enemy is if he can isolate us from the beginning of time if he can isolate us then he has the opportunity to speak lies because it's just us our own voice, and that inner battle with him. And so what I know is that God has designed us to not be in isolation. And if you look from back, you know, beginning of the Bible, Adam and Eve, you see two people that walked daily with God. And when the enemy came to them, did he come to them during their walks with God in the morning and the evening? No, he didn't. He came when God was gone, and he didn't come to both of them. He came to one. And then it kind of roped in both of them. And then after they ate of the fruit that they, God told them not to, what happened after that? When God came down to walk with them, they were hiding from him. Isolation is a killer. It's a killer. And so we have to understand that it not only is it bad for us, but the enemy can use it as a tactic in our life because he understands the power of unity. And so if God has called us to be connected with him and one another, and the enemy wants to isolate us and defeat us lies in our life, I kind of boiled it down to this statement right here. We're created for connection, but we tend to drift towards isolation. We're created for connection, but even Adam and Eve in their shame hid from God. And so as we go through things in life and and sometimes life kicks us in the teeth every once in a while. And when things like that happen, we tend to withdraw and become very isolated. And we turn in to ourselves, which is the opposite of what God wants us to do because we're better together. So we have to recognize that we're created for connectivity, but we drift towards isolation. And I love what scripture says about this. This is in the message translation. You might not have it, so I'll read it out loud to you guys. Ephesians chapter 2 Verse 19 says this, it says, you are no longer strangers or outsiders. Speaking to us as Christians, you belong here. 
with as much right to the name Christian as anyone else. All of us are here. God is building a home, and he's using all of us. He used the apostles and prophets as the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the chief cornerstone. You see this picture that he paints? He's building his church, and foundationally the disciples kind of laid the foundation, but you and I have a part to play in the body of Christ. Stone by stone, brick by brick, he is using us to build his church. How many of you guys know that the, the church isn't this building? We meet in a church, but the church is alive and moving. It's us as the people and the disciples and believers in God. And so he's literally saying, I'm building my church, the people, and you have a place in it. As much right to it as anyone else, much right to the name Christian as anyone else, you belong here. Everybody say, I'm a brick. House. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm a brick. All right, we'll, we'll gather back. I, I'm a brick. You have such an important and vital part to play in what God is building here on earth. And the Bible often uses this imagery of stone when he talks about things like this. Foundation, Jesus is the chief cornerstone, right? The cornerstone is what sets the level and the structure for the whole building as it's built. Because the stone represents something that's impenetrable. It's strength, right? When you think of stones, that's why in the like, tough man competitions, they lift those giant boulders. There's just something like rough and tough and intense about stone. And so he uses this really powerful imagery. And so you and I are stones put together to build God's church, fitting together and working together. And like social media, I feel like, has shown us our need for connection, right? Like who in their right mind knew that I needed to be able to share what sandwich I was eating at lunch to somebody halfway across the world. But like people, like it matters, right? We want to be able to share our lives. And so it's really shown this need for connectivity and at the speed of a click, you can connect with somebody all the way around the world. Why? Because we're built to connect. And we've talked about this before, but what often happens if we don't have genuine person-to-person connection One of the downsides of social media is sometimes even that can pull us into isolation. You know, we've mentioned it before, but when you start start comparing your behind-the-scenes to somebody else's highlight reel, kind of start drifting a little bit to isolation, turning inward, seeing your own flaws, seeing your own mishaps in life. It's like in sports when they put together those highlight videos of a game, and maybe you missed it, it's all the dunks, it's the awesome shots, it's the beautiful catches, it's the amazing hits. But if you watch the game, you see a series of blunders that happen in the game that don't get put in the highlight reel. And so what happens if we're not careful and we don't have a genuine connection with someone, right? Real life, meeting, talking, eye-to-eye conversation, all of this great stuff, if we don't have it, We'll, we'll tend to drift towards isolation as well because you get into comparison and all these things that you see people post and you see online, things like that. It'll drift us back. Um, another thing that social media will do is, anybody heard of FOMO, fear of missing out? It's like somebody's doing something fun and I don't get to be a part of it. Like that's not even right, not fair. And so another thing that can pull us away from that unity and into isolation ourselves. 
So what do we do? We fight the drift. If our tendency is to drift into isolation, but God wants us to stay connected to him and his people, then I have three things that I think that Scripture encourages us to do. And the first one is this. Remind ourselves of God's faithfulness, first and foremost. Because if we're talking connection and relationship, that one's got to be first. Our relationship with God, that's it. That's number one. And what happens oftentimes is we forget how good God has been to us. Anybody been there but me? Like, you, you, you're in a season and you, you kind of complain and grovel a little bit and you forget the milestones in your life that God's brought you through and the things that he's done in our life and our focus gets off of his goodness and onto the problem. And it's like a cycle. And it's so funny because this happened in Scripture a lot. And specifically with God's chosen people, the Israelites. And I like reading about them because they made some really bonehead move, boneheaded moves that are fun to kind of look at and be like, what were you thinking? Until you see yourself in the story of some of the stuff that they did. And in this specific story, the Israelites were just delivered from slavery in Egypt. Okay? Talking about God's faithfulness. He just delivered them from slavery. He promised them a new land. They go, they're guided from a cloud by day and a fire in the sky by night. We're talking real sci-fi stuff going on here, okay? It's all God. Not only that, but food. Like Subway is literally falling from heaven every day to feed this group of people, okay? Right in the middle of God providing. And some knucklehead in this group brings something up. He's like, hey guys, do you remember that really good garlic and onions that we used to have in Egypt? Like forgetting to the fact that they were slaves when they were there. It's like, man, that stuff was like bomb. I don't know what kind of seasoning that they use, but... Literally, this is in scripture, garlic and onions is what he's talking about. He's like, man, I'd die to have some of that right now. Like, we have Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs, the cartoon, literally happening in the desert, right? Food is raining from the sky, and we're talking about something that happened when we were enslaved to it. How quickly they forgot about the provision that God gave them every single day day so much so that it's like man i could deal with some chains if like i got a little bit of garlic mixed in with this how backwards is it that we forget about god's faithfulness to us all the time and so finally they get over this i don't know if they stoned the guy or kicked him out of the group something happened they get their mind back straight a short walk from egypt to the promised land lasts 40 years if you know the story so they finally arrive okay jordan river is right here in front of them On the other side is the promised land that God promised them. And God gave them some specific directions that I think is really powerful that we can do in our lives as well. So he tells um, them to take 12 stones out of the river. And he tells them to build a monument because they're getting ready to cross into their promise. And he, he encourages them to build a monument. It says this in Joshua 4.21. Then Joshua said to the Israelites, in the future, your children will ask, where did these stones come from and what do they mean? Then you can tell them this, this is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Literally, write down, build monuments, celebrate 
these things that God brought you through. Journal. Write it down. Save it in a document on your computer. Whatever. But don't lose sight of the things that he's blessed you with. And go back and celebrate those. And tell your kids about it. Right? The next generation that didn't have to suffer through the desert and go through all the stuff they grow through, they will get a complete story of God's faithfulness through their parents. Through their parents telling them and pointing out this monument to it. Like, you guys won't believe it. Stuff just fell out of the sky. God's goodness and faithfulness. Build monuments. Celebrate his faithfulness in your life. Number two. The first one is remind yourself of how faithful God is. Number two is rely on God's people. This goes to the relationship side of it. Find good godly people. Everybody needs somebody. Everybody needs somebody. Somebody to be able to talk to. To work through things with you. Somebody who's been where you're going that can help give you wisdom godly wisdom right somebody that won't judge you but has good judgment godly judgment amen somebody that can listen that has the heart of god that can sympathize with what you're walking through a tough decision that you have to make whatever it is find those type of people in your life because they are invaluable it's not not just about having people but it's about having the right people in your life we all got people, but there have been few in my life that have helped me through major decisions and things like that in my life that I'm forever grateful. I had a mentor encourage me one time that as you're looking at the relationships in your life, always have somebody that's ahead of you, somebody that's been where you're going, that's better at what you're wanting to do than you are. Find somebody that's been there, has wisdom, has lived, has experienced this stuff. Have somebody that's in it with you, and then always be finding somebody to help out behind. Always. And then he gave me another valuable piece of information. He said, you lean into your mentor, your mentor doesn't lean into you. And he may have regretted that later, because it was like, after a million text messages and calls, and like just showing up at a house, like leaning into them, right? People who have a lot of wisdom usually are, are, are pretty busy people. They've got a lot going on. They're doing their life. And so if you want to gain wisdom from them, man, lean in. Call, text, right? Honor boundaries that they set up, for sure. But lean in. Don't make them come to you. You lean into them. Pray for those type of relationships in your life that God would show you who those people are in your life and then connect with them. The difference between where you are and where God wants you to be depends on having the right people in your life. I firmly believe that we don't give as much focus to that point right there. Truly, the people that you have around you determines the direction that you go. And I love what it says here in Proverbs because it's, the second half is written kind of like a mom talking to a son here. Proverbs 14, 7, it says, The words of the wise are like weapons of knowledge. I love the second half. If you need wise counsel, stay away from the fool. <laughs> like, stay away from the fool. If you want wise counsel, stay away from the foolishness. Right? And, and we all go through seasons of being foolish. But how many of you guys know, some people don't outgrow the foolishness. They kind of embrace it as they, as they get older. But I love that. If you need wise counsel, stay away from the fool. In other words, find wise counsel in someone who is wise. Someone who is wise. 
So maybe you're asking, how do I find those type of relationships? I think the simplest thing is look around this room right now. You're in a room full of people who showed up today, who believe the same as you, who love God, who worship together. Like start here in your church body. Pray that God would show you someone to connect with that can be that type of friend to you. I would say get involved in serving here. Get involved in a small group. Uh, our women's discipleship. Like so many great relationships are forged through discipleship. There's something happens when you walk with somebody through something that binds you together in a different way than if you're just acquaintances. So I would say get involved with what we have going on. Find people. You will find people in there who are godly and can encourage you and love you. So get involved in serving. So our first one was remember God's faithfulness. Number two, rely on God's people. And number three, the last one is this. Release the power of your story. You know how that scripture said we're, we all have a part to play in the body of Christ. We're all a brick. We're all a stone that God's building his church with. That's why your story of redemption matters. It matters. It matters. Get good at talking about how God has been good in your life. Get good at talking about it. Practice it. Bug your family members. Get good at talking about it because your story of redemption can help out somebody else. Can help out somebody else. Your gifts, your talents, all that stuff. Somebody, everybody needs God. Everybody needs somebody and somebody's going to need you. At some point in time, your story of redemption is important. And I love this simple story. I felt like God showed me something through the story of David and Goliath. So we all know that story. I'll catch you guys up. Goliath, real bad guy, giant. He goes and he's you know, threatening God's people. David's in a prairie somewhere talking, hanging out with some sheep, protecting them from bears and lions and all this stuff, playing his harp, singing unto God. Probably no idea that this giant thing is even going on. It's even a threat. And somehow David finds himself in the middle of this battle. And so he goes and he gets five stones like God directed him to do. And makes a slingshot and he kills Goliath. Cuts off his head. Parades the head around town. And shows that the battle is over. And he has claimed what is rightfully God's people's. What I found interesting in this story is that Goliath wasn't directly threatening David. He was coming against David's family, David's God. But he wasn't directly threatening David. But David took the place of fighting that battle. And this is why your story matters because as you grow and are discipled in the Lord, as you allow God to change your heart, those rough Things in your life get smoothed down, and then they can be used to help other people in a similar situation that you are in, that you went through, that you were found victorious in. You know, you find these like smooth rocks a lot of times in rivers. You know, when they fall in the water, they're usually jagged and, and rough. And as they tumble through the water, it, like the burrs and all that stuff kind of gets knocked off of it, and then it lands somewhere on a river floor and the sand and water rushing it over it over a amount of time like makes it nice and smooth 
and these are the type of weapons that David used, I'm convinced that the things that God grows you through are not only for his glory, not only for you to live victorious, but are to help other people out. There's a few things I've gone through in my life that when somebody put their arm around me and was like, hey, I experienced that, but God, but God brought me through it, but God, like those were some of the most encouraging times in my life because they got it. And so that's why your story matters. As you're growing in Christ, get good at sharing what God has brought you through. The stuff that you're like, there's no reason that I should have gone through that. Or maybe you're even ashamed to talk about it. Guys, how amazing is it that God not only uses the great things in our life, but he'll also take the things that the enemy meant for evil and he'll use them for good? Your story matters. Your story of redemption, the things God is doing in your life matters. So remind ourselves of how good God is. Build monuments, celebrate his goodness, find people who love God and love you, attach yourself to people that can help you grow in the Lord, that can be an inspiration to you. And then lastly, get good at speaking about God's goodness. And this last verse right here for you before we close. The word says that one generation shall declare your works to another. Sharing God's goodness in our lives and his grace is a mighty weapon that the next generation can take into battle. Right? It's this remembrance of what God's done. So don't let it grow silent on your lips. One generation shall declare your works to another. You know, oral traditions are so huge in history. Like, a lot of, of civilizations, they didn't know how to write and things like that. And so oral tradition became a a way that history and the very being of a civilization was passed down through stories. I think it's the same thing in the body of Christ. Stories of God's goodness, I mean, I think it can catch like wildfire. So I want to encourage you this week, find somebody to just share something that God's done in your life with. It can be so simple, so simple. I just had a great week. Like God, God woke me up, I was blessed, I wasn't late. Car's running good. His grace is new every morning. I mean, it literally can be that simple. But get in the routine of sharing what God's done in your life because you never know what your story of redemption can do for somebody else. And like David helped fight the battle for Goliath, we can help one another out in the body of Christ fight the battles that we're going through. Let me pray for you. Thank you, Father. Lord, we just thank you that you are present, Lord. Gosh, you're not distant you are present. And that connection with you, that connection, that relationship with you sets the stage for everything else in our lives. Like it all starts from there. The vine and the branches, like your word says, drawing our nutrition and everything that we need from you, Father. I pray that as we reevaluate your goodness in our lives, as we celebrate the things that you have done for us, Father God, I pray that not only would you help to put good people in our life as we lean into it, but you would also to help us get in this rhythm of sharing the good things that you've done for us, Father God. I just pray right now for those that may be dealing with friendships and relationships and things like that that they're having a hard time letting go of. God, I pray that you would speak to their heart and you would show them, Lord, the benefit sometimes of cutting things off. Sometimes there's just things that attach to us and, and sometimes a clean cut 
a, a clean break is so important, Father God. So I pray if there's those type of friendships in here that you would just speak to those people's hearts. And I thank you, Lord, for the people that are in here that maybe haven't shared their story in years of what you've done for their life. I pray that this would, Lord, spark something in their heart to say, you know, I've not thought about that for a while, but I'm going to share it. I'm going to talk about what God did for me. I'm going to talk about the fact that he's no respecter of persons. If he does it for me, he can do it for you. God, I pray that this would begin to be a part of the way that we speak and the language that we use. You're so good. You're so great to us. And we just thank you for your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey guys, we hope that you had a great time with us today at Family Worship Center. We're getting ready to receive our tithes and offering in just a moment. So if you need an offering envelope, go ahead and raise your hand now. The ushers will serve you and get that to you right away. Also, our text to give information.